0: broadcasting from columbus ohio this is campus Church podcast i'm your host keith darrell this is episode four, closing a meeting welcome everybody to the campus Church podcast a podcast designed to encourage and equip you in the work of evangelism i'm your host keith darrell and i am in the basement of tom short we are we spent a, a past week together preaching in ohio we do have a rainy day here so we're cranking out a uh, a podcast to kind of discuss how we close out a meeting because I will say I think one of my weaknesses and maybe even broadly a weakness uh when reform people evangelize or Calvinistic E-type people evangelize is there might be a, a you know maybe a broad call to repentance Um, But kind of the individual counseling of a certain individual coming up to you like so how do we close this out? So as we preach for the day, so we've talked about introduction, we've talked about keeping a crowd, we've talked about a character of a preacher. But what we're looking to do here is like so how do I finish up the day? And like I was saying, I think one of my weaknesses is the way I finish up the day because I kind of finish up. I basically preach and if you think of it as a movie From noon to four, you have a certain arc, and then around four o'clock, I usually have a chair with me. I'll bring out the chair, sit in the chair, and then I have maybe, say, 15, 20 people who are still interested, and they might ask individual questions and, and stuff like that. You try to counsel people individually and encourage them to repentance, but uh uh what I don't do is usually you're like, hey, would you like to say a prayer? Would you like to do this, that, or the other? And so how should we end a meeting if you are gonna be preaching on campus? How should you hope to close things out? And so I think Tom, I was with him the other day and I thought he did a pretty good job closing it out. I am I was theologically critiquing him the whole time, being like, that is not reformed. That is not <laughs> oh man. And so some of the things I just thought, oh man, what are we doing over here? But uh but nonetheless I, I do think he is are, are much better because it's even even part of it's our dispositions is is my natural disposition is, like, I, 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 I'm I very much people-oriented. But in many ways, I just I do like spending a lot of time by myself. I also enjoy, um, you know, I, when I was converted, it was kind of like, all right, what do I do? You know what I mean? It, it, like, And I sought people out, and there wasn't a big aspect where I felt like I had to um, – like needed tons of follow up or something like that, if that makes sense. And so, anyway, uh, I, I just think it'd be kind of helpful if you're going to go out on campus, you're going to preach. How should you think through closing out your meeting and invite people uh, to Jesus and to repent and believe, and what that practically looks like? And so, I think uh, the other day I thought Tom did a good job with it, so maybe he could uh, shed a little insight of what he did. So, what I
1: what I often will do is uh, as we as we're drawing to an end, I make sure I'm preaching the gospel clear and strong. The life of Christ, the substitutionary death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ—that they understand that very clearly. And and then I say, uh, I'll often say, "You've been asking me questions all day. Now I have a question for you." And I'll ask them. Maybe if, <clears throat> the question I often ask: If you were to stand before God and you were to ask, "Why should I let you in?" Heaven, what would you say? And of course, what I'm looking for is an answer that focuses on what Jesus has done for us. If the answer is all about me, well, I did this, I did that, I went to church, I wasn't bad, I never hurt people. If the subject of the sentence is I, 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 I think they they they're not really getting it. <laughs> the subject of the sentence is Jesus, Father accept me because of what Jesus did. They're getting it. <clears throat> but after I share a little bit of my testimony along that lines, and I and I basically share the gospel clearly, I'll comment and I'll say there's there's four types of people here one is people who you've heard it now and the truth is you're just not interested you don't care you don't want this you're not this is not for you this is the way you feel second type is people who say yeah I believe that I believe this for a long time and that's 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 my faith that's what I believe I am a Christian and I'm faithful to God a third is someone I would say uh, you you this is resonating with you and you're thinking back to a time where it seemed like you really did have a faith in God but something's happened you've fallen away you're not interested anymore maybe you've fallen into sin or fallen in with the wrong crowd here at, at college and you're thinking to yourself that you really those those former days when you did believe they that you want to re- rediscover that and uh and and you want to you've backslid but you want to come back to Jesus the final type person is someone this is this is new to you, you've never really heard this before, but you say, yeah, you want this, you want to know God, you want to have forgiveness, you want you want to become a believer in Jesus, and so I say there's four those four types of people, and if you're in uh, number one group, this doesn't pertain to you now, but if you're number two, three or four, in other words, you're a faithful believer in Christ, or you've fallen away and you're coming back, or for the first time you want to say. I really want to make a decision to believe in Jesus Christ and and be a a, a Christian. I say I'd like to ask you to to take a stand right now and to stand up and to come forward, and I want you to join hands with me, and I'm going to pray for you, and we want to pray for this campus, and I invite people to do that, and people, it's quite amazing because people will come forward. They'll stand up, and it takes great courage to do that in the midst, in front of classmates, in front of others. To, to stand up and come forward. And uh, and as they do, I'm encouraged by that. Sometimes I will look at others, particularly if someone I could tell in their eyes, it seemed like the Spirit of God's working on them, and they didn't come forward. And I'll just point to them directly, and I'll ask them, would you like to come forward? Would you like to be a follower of Jesus? How about you? Or do you want to join us? And lots of times, when I point someone out specifically, sometimes they'll shake their head no. But lots of times, they will—they'll stand there for a second and they'll, and they'll come forward. They're making a decision right there on the spot. I found that this—this this is a really, really important time for people, because it makes them get off the fence. It makes them go from a passive observer to now a participant. That they're saying, "Yes, I really am. I believe her. I'm a follower." And I'm willing to say that in front of other people. And they come forward, and, uh, and this is a dramatic time. And so then what I do, I say, let's hold hands and say a prayer, but I've, I've got a surprise for them. I often begin to tell the story of John Newton, a great slave trader who repented, got saved, and uh, became a minister and abolitionist and wrote the song Amazing Grace. And I tell his story about how God's grace saved him. And, uh, uh, and and how God can take a, a sinful person, make him brand new. And I say, Amazing Grace, the song he wrote, it's the most popular song ever sung. I think it'd be great for us right here, right in the center of the campus to sing out Amazing Grace. Now, like I said, we're standing in a in a circle holding hands so they can't get out of it. And, uh, <laughs> That's the key. Yeah. And
0: Although we lost a couple, we the other lost day. a couple, didn't we? I, on verse two,
1: we lost a couple of verse,
0: verse two. Because Tom's like, let's sing the first verse, and I, the thirtieth time through, people are peeling off his, they're like, oh people's voices are as lost as mine and uh but tom just kept going and not until everybody was crying was he gonna wrap it up so just kidding that did not happen no I, I
1: usually sing verse one and i i like particularly verse four and i kind of uh lead them in that call out the words then we sing with the finish with the praise god praise god praise god
0: and i'll tell you something
1: Stand there in the midst uh, to finish off by having preached the word to finish off by singing of the grace of God. Uh, I, I know, first time I ever sang "Amazing Grace," and I remember I was at a, it was a time I was scared in my life, and and it it's like God was speaking to me through this song and comforting me, and and it was a it was a, it was a holy moment when I first sang that. A lot of people have had that experience with that song, and so to sing that in the center of campus or while others watch, sometimes they jeer us sometimes they watch quietly, but uh, it seals their commitment. It, it gives them the chance to publicly say who they are and to identify with Jesus and to identify with us. And a number of people have told me through the years that that was a moment that changed their life. So afterwards, I might add, after we sing, I say a prayer for them. And it's usually a pretty bold prayer and a courageous prayer that God, God, that we will be the people you want us to be. And then I will exhort and encourage them how important it is to have two things. Uh, Number one, get in the word of God every single day. Let it feed your soul. Number two, uh, find a good church and be involved in it. And uh, I'll often ask if you're in a good church here, would you raise your hand? And if they and and I said if you can't raise your hand, look around and see someone here that you'd say, hey, can I come uh to your church and join with you because I don't have a church.
0: And if they have a white shirt that says elder on it, we're like, that's not a good church. So we do <laughs> we do have a little discernment out a there. A little discernment, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um.
1: But that's how I end my day. And then afterwards, you know, we stay around and people want to talk to us.
0: Yeah. And even, and it is one of the things kind of towards the end of the day, because people often ask, like, you know, about follow-up discipleship sort of thing. And you have, uh throughout the day, you do kind of pick up, the, these people are evangelical. You know what I mean? They're believers. They believe the gospel. They believe X, Y, Z. And yeah, and then you try to pass them off. Hey, you guys are, in, you know, same same year here, same this, whatever it is. And you hand them off to one another to... Uh, you know, hopefully follow up and, and stuff like that. Cause I, I do think that's one of the, you know, being with you when we are on campus, I I just talk to people until, you know, everybody starts peeling off and then next thing you know, it's whatever, five, six o'clock and you're down with one or two people. But yeah, I don't really close per se, just kind of like uh, leave it. And we were even discussing a little bit beforehand where, um, I think one of the things I commonly did early on is I'd bring Bibles with me, and if someone was interested, I'd give them Bibles and say, go home, read the Bible, and God will reveal himself to you. And I think there is an appropriate place for that. Um, but even as you read through the book of Acts, and even when Jesus was calling disciples, there is that call to commitment. There is that call to uh, follow. And uh, in my circles particularly, which is kind of Reformed, I feel like there's oftentimes this, the, you have two strands, because it's not only just Reformed people, but you have this um, you're trying to create some uber existential moment in somebody. So we'll just go home, seek God. And then once you have this, once you're really aware of your sin, then you might be able to be converted and really believe on Jesus. Or like people, I know other people are, they're constantly terrified of giving somebody a false assurance and all sort of jazz, which uh, can be a problem. But biblically, you know, you look at the the, the book of Acts the first great evangelistic sort of event is they preach the gospel. They lay out the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And as they're preaching, someone cries out, what must we do to be saved? And they say, repent and be baptized. And so, um, even that sort of thing, it kind of becomes funny sometimes. You're evangelizing. I remember preaching at the University of Idaho one time, and uh, a guy asked me what I thought people should do to be saved. I said, "Well, repent and be baptized." And I'm like, "Are you saying baptism saves you?" And I was like, "Well, I'm saying what Peter says, and if Peter's saying that, then I'm saying that." Um, but I think obviously that's kind of like the, the transition point. People go get married; they put a wedding ring on one another. And are you saying that wedding ring marries you? Well, kinda. You know what I mean? Are you saying baptism? Saves you? Well, kinda. But like it is. It's it's the coming into the covenant. And so, uh, yeah, and that'd be one of the places where I would emphasize. Is, you know, uh, be baptized. But I think that closing aspect of calling someone to commitment to the Lord. Um, is an appropriate aspect of our evangelism. And oftentimes why we don't see fruit in evangelism, we're terrified of that thing. And even that's probably wrestles a little bit in the back of my head of like, I don't want to be a salesman. I don't want to like put pressure on people. You know, And I kind of, I do want to kind of leave it in the Lord's hands just from a human standpoint. Cause I I get annoyed. Like anytime I feel like someone's trying to sell me on something and bring me into something, I'm always like, I'm immediately want to push back. And so I have a tendency not to want to do that with other people, which influences the way I end up evangelizing in a very practical way. Yeah.
1: yeah. I I have, I think there's some good questions. I don't want to be a salesman either. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to err on the side of being pushy. And I don't want to err on the side of not inviting people to Christ. Sometimes I'll ask uh, after explaining the gospel, say, is this something you would like? And if they, uh, <clears throat> you know, depending on how they answer, I might also say, is there anything that would stand in the way of your coming to Jesus today? Is there any reason that you wouldn't want to do that? And I'm if they do, I might talk about it. Um, sometimes I will if if a person um, is ready to receive Christ, I I will pray with them. You know, Romans uh, ten says, "Who shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved," and so I think that's fine, especially if there's no water around or there's no <laughs> no, no uh, 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 opportunity right then to 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 do baptism. I do think baptism is important. It's not an option. It's not like if you feel like it, you can come do it. I think it is a a clear delineating time that says I am a Christian. Now, you know, I believe people actually get saved beforehand, but this this is the time it marks it, mm-hmm. and and you put the stake in the ground, say I've, I've made my declaration. I'm a Christian. But I'll often pray with people. Um, sometimes, if if I feel they have difficulty expressing themselves, I'll say. Um, I can lead you in prayer and you can repeat after me, but I want you to stop and think about every phrase I say. And I don't want you to pray it to God unless you believe it yourself. So take time to listen carefully to what I say and, and uh, ask yourself if you believe it. Sometimes I say, let's call on the name of the Lord. I'll let them pray and they, you know, they, they, they pray for their uncle's cancer and for their tests coming up and don't ever mention Jesus or anything. And I, I had to point out, I said, those are all fine prayer requests, but we were, we were talking about crying out to God for salvation and forgiveness of your sins. And, and let's, let's make sure we pray about that. And, and again, I might offer, would you like me to lead you? And you can follow that. These are some things I think we can do. Um, but again, I also want to stress baptism is such a – that's the biblical. I think that's the biblical thing. No, we don't believe that baptism is what saves us. Jesus is what saves us. I don't think the prayer saves you. I don't think baptism saves you, but these are things that, that are, particularly baptism is something in the Bible that the early Christians did when they became Christian.
0: Yeah. And I, and I, and I do think we need to like, uh, in a sense, we cover that in our evangelism because it is like you're you're dying to the world and you're being made alive to Christ. And you know from the and even just for the basic pattern of the Scripture, the very beginning of the Bible begins with the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, and the original earth comes through that. And then even Peter connects baptism with uh, Noah and the flood, and then the Exodus, and so you just have this pattern, like kind of the normative means of entering is is the washing, is coming through water of of new life, and that's why all through the Bible is you know water is associated with life, and I think even half what's going on we are burying the old man um according to romans 6 and they're being raised to newness of life then even you know in our presbyterian circles we have the westminster confession of faith talks about improving your baptism and so in romans 6 when paul's like wait don't you guys know you died to that how can you live it any longer when did you die to it were you not baptized and so it's kind of like a a wife uh asking her husband well do you love me he's like i gave you a ring like obviously there's more to it than that he's like uh, like, this is a constant, I re- should be, a- serve as a constant reminder. So your baptism is a reminder. You've died to sin, and been raised to newness of life. And you are, you are basically, you're leaving the land of Pharaoh. You're leaving Satan, sin, and death, that whole realm, and you're being brought into God's kingdom, his light, and his <laughs> righteousness. And I do think that, um, it is appropriate to, Emphasize that, like if someone asks, "What must I do to be saved?" Repent and be baptized, and you know, and you know, you lay out substitutionary atonement in the spirit of God. But I, I, I agree; I think that's a normative means in the New Testament and even in the early church that would be the demarcation of when did you become a believer. That, like, here is when I was baptized, and it wasn't like, "Oh, I walked an aisle, I said a prayer." And that's oftentimes, unfortunately, what we do. And, and by we, I'm, I have a particular theological camp I'm thinking of is like we look at someone like Charles Finney, in the Second Great Awakening, and we look at the Anxious Bench, and we look at what we think. Are these excesses, um, where, you know, the, the joke, whether, what is it? Um, uh, come down now, and, you know, the, on the seventh uh, verse of you know, what I mean, just they keep playing till everybody comes. Just as down. I am. Yeah, just as I am, and and so you play through that <laughs> the, uh, thousands time, and and so yeah, we're 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 afraid of that, or you know, just bless you, I see that hand sort of stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, we're evangelizing, and part of it, we are offering people the gospel, and that free offer, even in, even in my Presbyterian circles, the free offer of the gospel is genuine a free offer, and we're telling people to come and receive it, and we should not be afraid. Of that invitational aspect to it,
1: yes, and and uh, and people need to know how to do this. It, it's not natural. It's it's uh, we need to tell them, give them some thing, you know, say cry out to God, be baptized, pray, whatever it is. Sometimes we're afraid to say that because we're afraid. We've had a great conversation, and we don't want to hear them say no. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of rejection. And I'm, and I'm reminded, you know, we, we can take that. And, and a good
0: salesman never takes no. So. <laughs> never takes
1: no. But I remember once at the University of Nebraska, I shared this. It was a great conversation with this young, this, this girl on campus there. And I was thinking, oh, gee, I'm about to ask her to receive Christ. I'm afraid. It's been so good. I wouldn't want her to say no and kind of in on a sour note. And I said to her, would you like to, uh, after what we talked about, would you like to come to Jesus, have faith, and receive him right now? And she goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh-huh. so let's let's have the attitude that if we ask, maybe they will receive uh-huh. instead of if we ask, them they able to say no?
0: Yeah. And uh, directly tied to that, even in the broader issue of uh, evangelism, um, I was at un- Idaho, un- Idaho, Indiana last week, and a, a guy said to me, Uh, Thank you so much for being out here. He's like, I've just discovered so many people want to have these conversations, but everybody's afraid to bring them up. And so even that aspect, when you just think of the basics of evangelism, of sharing the gospel with somebody, uh, kind of have a little bit of the operating assumption. And that was one of the things very early on in my Christian life when I was converted. I was so excited about it. I just assumed everybody wants to talk about this. So that's what I talked about. I was able to get into so many conversations just because I was excited about it and people wanted to talk about it. And what I discovered is, yeah, people want to talk about it oftentimes. And you'll you'll quickly learn when people don't. You know what I mean? You'll, You'll We get a pretty clear indication. And if you're not crazy and pushy and all that sort of stuff, it's kind of an outflow of who you are. It's a pretty pretty natural thing. And so, yeah, when it comes to just the evangelism, and then once you do evangelize and you are kind of offering up an invitation to. Uh, follow Jesus you should not be afraid of that and even if it's on even if it's on like the negative you're gonna get a negative answer but the, you, you you got an answer with Sean and I sometimes joke we finish up the day when people like it hey, any decisions today we got thousands of no's you know what I mean? so, <laughs> so, so so yeah you have tons of decisions um but yeah we are uh inviting people to the gospel I just feel like so often that's a missing component of our evangelism and it's in I've been, Even though I love doing evangelism, it's one of those things that has influenced me in the way I approach people because it's afraid of like, oh, man, I want to offer that up when the reality of it is biblically. Um, it is a simple call to come and follow Jesus, and we should not be afraid of including that in our evangelism. Right. Any other ideas before we wrap up? Good. Well, that's this episode. That's how you kind of, yeah, just don't be afraid to invite people to Jesus. Uh, that, that's that's what we're doing. We're, we're in, inviting people to the gospel. So that's this episode of the Campus Preacher Podcast. Thank you very much. Um, if you have any questions, comments, demands, rebukes, exhortations feel free to reach out to me, Keith, at campuspreacher.com or www.campuspreacher.com. You can also find Tom Short at tomthepreacher.com. Lord bless you. Keep you. Talk to you next week.